Hi, thanks for coming to tonight's class. My name is Josh, and uh, I've been the guiding teacher of Dharma Punks New York for the last 18 years. And uh, yeah, I am a Buddhist pastor. Everything I do is practitioner, member-supported in the sense that you're all members. <laughs> Anyone who listens to the class. And if you do feel like supporting my work, the Venmo is Dharma Punks NYC. And uh, there's also a PayPal button and a Patreon. Thanks for all that. Thanks for your consideration. And tonight we have a talk that is uh, one that I think lands at the very epicenter of the Dharma, understanding core of the Buddha's teachings. We'll be talking about the Dharma and the Middle Path from the perspective of what could be called integrative or dialectical thinking. And while those terms might sound at first unfriendly or challenging, I hope with the explanation I offer, humbly offer to you, that it will make sense and it will become something that will be immediately of value. So, um, in life, there are dilemmas that can seem irreconcilable, contradictions that seem like there's no uh, uh, way forward. And these dilemmas can lead to stasis, can lead to... Um, inability to uh, come up with a way forward. We can feel indecisive. A couple of examples. Uh, we might hate our job, yet need it for the income. And there might not be any present work alternatives. That can create an intractable uh, conflict in our life. We may want to be environmentally responsible, yet find life empty without traveling. We uh, may yearn to have a child, but not presently have a partner, and we might not feel prepared to parent alone. Uh, we might need company in the terms of people uh, in our life to alleviate loneliness, but we also might feel easily crowded and overwhelmed. These conflicts are sometimes also boiled down to the should I stay or should I go? We flip back and forth, unable to land on confidently on any choice. We wind stuck, indecisive, and we feel uh, uh, confused as to how to proceed. Often sleepless nights might even occur. Uh, one example of this uh, or metaphor for this is those ambiguous or what's called bistable artworks that are designed to create two possible interpretations. There's a classic one of uh, image that 
where depending on how you look at it, you'll either see a rabbit or a duck, but you can't see both at the same time. And so we alternate between one belief or another, but we can't hold both interpretations, beliefs, or views simultaneously. Uh, seeming irreconcilable contradictions can even be found in our spiritual practice. I remember I was constantly told um, growing up in a Buddhist household, I remember hearing and reading that enlightenment could occur at any instant, and yet it also takes years of practice to attain. It, you just can't do it uh, immediately. So that seemed to be a contradiction. Another one was uh, the spiritual axiom that we must practice accepting ourselves exactly as we are to find peace, yet we must also strive to be more kind, patient, and generous. Seems to be, again, a contradiction. Should I accept myself exactly as I am, but, but then I'm also supposed to strive to be more patient, generous? Contradictions are most painful when it comes to our relationships. Those that we love or depend on for emotional support, those that we seek for connection when we're under stress. In those situations when these individuals that we have attached to are at times um, they fail to consider our needs, or they seem indifferent to our needs, or at times they just don't prioritize uh, responding to messages or texts. This can create a um, contradiction or a dilemma that seems irreconcilable. And I need this person, yet they're unavailable, and their unavailability can cause me some degree of distress. After breakups, many people's minds jump to two contradictions, which is called the blame-shame spiral. So after breakups, one might think it was all their fault. They uh, said that they were uh, available, but they weren't. And then they might jump to shame. No, it was my fault. I was too needy or too unavailable myself, or I'm too much to deal with. And so the mind can go back and forth, back and forth, looking for fault in uh, an X, or then blaming ourselves for the breakup. No, it was their fault. No, it was my fault. So we can wind up stuck in these interpretations, contradictions, views, and opinions. And in that, it can cause a great deal of ruminative, intrusive thought. Uh, if there's anything associated with uh, rumination uh, and, and intrusive cognition, it certainly is this kind of black or white thinking. 
individuals with borderline uh, characteristics uh, have a tendency to idealize, then demonize, then idealize again, then demonize the the most important people in their lives. And they're unable to integrate uh, the good and bad qualities of the people they love into a coherent figure. And thus they are always trapped between uh, should I push them away or should I... Uh, seek uh, and try to get their attention more. And all human beings, to a certain degree in different situations, whether in relationships or in work, have this kind of, uh, are prone to uh, idealizing, then demonizing or holding one thing up as a the most important thing and then belittling it. So it's, uh, I think it's a uh, contradictions and dilemmas are endemic to human affairs. And sometimes they're just also found in our cultural lives. Um, what do we make of inspiring artists who are terrible people. For example, uh, Picasso was a horrible misogynist, abused pretty much all of his relational partners. What does that mean? Does that mean we overlook that and just continue enjoying his art? Or do we uh, forego ever looking at the work of Picasso? Johnny Cash uh, had an affair, constant affairs, and especially had an affair with his wife's sister and was uh, abusive. Bertolt Brecht, one of my childhood heroes, turned out to be a Stalinist. <laughs> Elvis Presley had sex with 14-year-olds. Miles Davis engaged in spousal abuse of Cicely Tyson. Richard Strauss uh, had affiliation with the Nazis. Personally, I used to love watching Louis C.K.'s stand-up routines on YouTube, only to find out how terribly he mistreated women in his field and felt disgusted by that. So how do we, how do we reconcile these uh, extremes? On the one hand, finding some part of what somebody does of great value, and yet at the other hand, acknowledging that aspects of their personality are terrible. One of my favorite painters, Francis Bacon, was a horrible man who abused his partners to the point where one committed suicide. So um, these are just some of many examples and of course, the Buddha faced his own existential dilemma. He lived in abundant luxury for the first 28 years of his life. And uh, he found it hollow and meaningless. Yet when he renounced his possessions and devoted himself exclusively to his practice, to the point of deprivation and um, 
literally hunger and emotional isolation, he was unable to find lasting peace as well. So he couldn't find it in the luxury and abundance, nor could he find it when he got rid of all of the encumbrances of life and just practiced in isolation and uh, without any possessions. So, how do we proceed? Well, it's a significant milestone in one's maturation in becoming a wise adult when we develop the ability to hold opposite or contradictory ideas. So we allow both to be true and synthesize, or at least true for now, and synthesize both into a creative solution. I'll say that again. It's a milestone in our maturation to develop the ability to hold contradictory beliefs or views, allowing both to be true at present and to creatively find a solution that takes both truths into account. This is um, what we can refer to as dialectical thinking. It's foundational to not only Buddhist practice, but also to uh, for example, dialectical behavioral therapy and attachment theory and so many other uh, psychodynamic disciplines and so on and so forth. In um, logic uh, or in dialectical thinking, it's sometimes known as thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. So a thesis could be, I make a lot of mistakes so I must not be good at my job. <laughs> and then the antithesis might be, what's the problem about making mistakes? Everybody makes them, why should I care? And the synthesis might be, well, acknowledging mistakes is important for growth, but in acknowledging mistakes, that doesn't in any way diminish my worth as a person or as a person at my job, a worker. Both can be true. I can make mistakes, but at the same time, I can be a worthwhile worker and I don't, I shouldn't have to worry too much about that. In fact, I don't even need to worry about it at all. I just simply acknowledge it and pay attention to it. It's the same in all endeavors. We make mistakes sometimes with friendships, but if we pretend that making mistakes isn't a big deal or other people have uh, in some way failed us, then there's no growth. So what we do is we acknowledge our mistakes, yet at the same time, we move forward uh, knowing that it doesn't in any way diminish our worth, and that all it means is that uh, we have to pay t attention sometimes to how our behaviors might affect others. So that's a synthesis or a solution to two seemingly uh, irreconcilable ideas. Synthesis or dialectical thinking is both rational and intuitive at the same time. If we accept 
two contradictions are true, in other words, moving from either or thinking to both and thinking, in accepting contradictions can be true, both can be true, we look for solutions that take both of these truths and their needs into account. And then we wait until the solution clicks and we start to relax and it feels right. It feels like a way out. Now, the solutions to these irreconcilable dramas are rarely fun. They might not. It's very often fun to eat or it feels somehow uh, at times we might train ourselves to either just want to cut off people when we're angry or we might want to always forgive so that we can keep them in our lives. But the solution of setting boundaries might not feel fun, but it's a way forward. I'll give you just a classic example. Uh, for me, it's important to be environmentally conscious um, yet at the same time, it's also important for me now and then to travel. So what, do, what would I do? Well, uh, when it's feasible, I take a train. Uh, and when I do fly, I try to minimize the damage by one, purchasing trees that create the equivalent amount of carb um, that's uh, essentially reduce the same amount of carbon that the flight is pumped out into the atmosphere. I also try to minimize the amount of flights to the absolute, just the bare minimum, so that I can travel, uh, but also at the same time, I'm minimizing the harm. Also, I try to pack as light as possible because every extra pound one travels with um, is responsible for additional carbon emissions. So the middle path, um, when synthesis is a synthesis of contradictions into a new integrative solution. And the Buddha solved his dilemma of, on the one hand, finding that uh, Trying to find happiness through a through accumulation, through wealth, through uh, just seeking sensual pleasures for him that was empty. But at the same time, uh, giving up everything and going into the jungle and simply practicing without any of the uh, the. Uh, requisites like food, shelter, clothing, medication, he also noted was not a solution at all. So he proposed a middle path. The middle path was both what he called acknowledging the four requisites. He said to ask ourselves how much food, clothing, medication, shelter, etc., we really need to be comfortable enough to practice the most important uh, qualities and attributes of our lives, which means um, not just our spiritual practice, but connecting with others, trying to be of benefit to the world around us, trying to be creative, trying to um, do things that 
actually over the long term instill uh, a sense of worth. And also his way forward was the Eightfold Path, which was the Buddha acknowledged that isolation alone was not a way forward. He acknowledged that the foundation of the spiritual path was wise spiritual friends. And so much of the Eightfold Path is a way to live with others free of adversity, yet also providing spiritual support. And it calls for um, not causing harm, not engaging in livelihoods that cause harm to others, uh, right speech where we practice uh, communicating with others in ways that are um, that where we're not trying to cause suffering or harm, but at the same time speaking truthfully. And that again requires creativity, can seem like a contradiction. How do I speak my truth and not cause harm when it, at times my truth is I'm angry? and furious with someone. How do I do that? Well, sometimes it, that might mean first regulating the anger by feeling it, processing, asking what, um, how can I say this in a way that's not attacking, but simply stating when you do X, I feel Y, and that makes me want to do Z. So there's a lot of creativity in dialectical thinking, moving from either or to both and. Um, in in um, clinical research, it's often referred to as integrative complexity. Uh, and that's it's so, it is actually a uh, very important. Um, milestone in our development to develop this capability of dialectical thought. So solutions to these intractable dilemmas often require putting the issue aside. For example, I can't stand my job. I'm terribly unhappy at it. Um, but at the same time, I need an income to survive. We put it aside. We might look at it afresh. We might seek insights from those who uh, have creatively addressed a similar situation in our life. One of the questions I would ask myself is, what would the person without fear do? And I faced such a dilemma in my life in uh, the year uh, of 9-11. Uh, I was working at a job that uh, was well-paying but entirely meaningless to me. And after the planes crashed and some 2,000 people died, and more than 2,000, and um, there was just so much fear and distress in New York at the time. And I wanted to be of help, but at the time there was no way for me to, the skills that I had didn't allow for me to meaningfully play a role in helping those who had been uh, emotionally devastated by 9-11. Uh, so 
I, at the one time I hated and couldn't stand anymore what I was doing for a living yet I had, I, I, I needed an income to survive. So the solution was one to accept both truths and then to uh, devise a plan to incrementally leave my career and to move to a career that created a sense of meaning and purpose in my life. And for me, having grown up in a family where Buddhist was, Buddhism was practiced and having been practicing in um, Buddhist centers for much of my life, uh, the two solutions that came to mind was becoming a therapist or because I had a, my academic training was in psychology or was in the spiritual life. And so I started both researching and volunteering and taking courses. And then I got trained through a three-year program to become a Buddhist pastor. And then even then, after I became empowered, I still it still required several years to gradually move from my reliance on my old field to the new field. So the process of coming up with a synthesis sometimes is very slow, but at no point did I give up both truths. I both accepted that my job, though I didn't feel at all any purpose or meaning, I felt completely um, empty uh, uh, when I was doing it uh, and alienated from it. But I also understood that I needed it for the time being. And I also understood that I needed to change. Um, another example that people often face is they might have a friend that they really love, but this friend might be unreliable, uh, yet also wonderful to hang out with. So they might decide, okay, I'm not going to cut them off, nor am I going to continue to reach out to them first when I'm in stress or sad or lonely. I'm going to go first to people who are reliable, but I'm not going to uh uh cut that person out or disconnect from them and when they reach out i'll make myself available when it's convenient and if they do make a plan with me if in the past they haven't um kept up with their plans i'll say look uh if you are planning on meeting me on friday evening you really have to uh, dedicate to that. And if I don't hear from you Thursday, I'm just going to uh, find someone else to hang out with on Friday. So setting boundaries, um, also understanding that sometimes we might need to prioritize other people while not cutting off uh, others is a way forward. Viewing life through such a cognitive frame, constantly asking ourselves if both, what if both are true, is hard. Um, many 
fear it might make us more indecisive, but in fact, the exact opposite occurs. Um, if we do accept both truths, then we are forced to find a novel way that meets both needs. And that, when we find it, that's the way we actually take action. We never wind up taking, if we do take action when we're in either or thinking, black or white thinking, whatever we decide will be wrong. If the person who is in, uh, has a friend who's unreliable, continues to reach out to them, they'll be unhappy. If they cut that friend out of their life, block them or whatever, they'll be unhappy too. There's always a way forward. Um, being able to see ourselves and others as complex allows us to relate in new ways. Um, so after a breakup, we stop the blame-shame. We stop looking for fault, and we simply accept that we were incompatible. That's where uh, synthesis or uh, dialectical thinking can lead to a very simple, at times, recognition that it wasn't A's fault that they were avoidant, nor B's fault that they were anxious in the relationship. They simply had irreconcilable or incompatible needs, and that's okay. I'm doing another example is I'm doing the best I can and my work, my exercise, and I can do better. So I'm both okay and there's room to grow, both and thinking. So finally, I'd like to add that, you know, in a polarized landscape, um, integrative or dialectical thinking is very much against the grain of the simplistic uh extreme beliefs that are propagated by media and social media um it seems that there's very little room in our world for nuanced thoughts when it comes to political issues or cultural divides but it is possible to work to um i would say transcend the either or thinking to both and so, for example, for me, um, I'm a strong believer that vaccines are safe and effective. And uh, whenever there's one, I'm going to be, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be right there online because uh, I love getting vaccinated. <laughs> I feel much safer in the world with vaccines. And it's okay if others feel unsafe with vaccines and don't want to take them. I can have my practice of believing in vaccines and it's okay if I know people that uh, just don't believe that they're effective. That's their belief. It's okay. Um, another example, hot button topic you know, uh, there are so many Republicans that are trying to take away women's reproductive rights, which is terrible, absolutely terrible. And yet, those same Republicans, many of them are good people, uh, just 
uh, as the same, I'm a progressive, uh, died in the wool, you know, Bernie Sanders type supporter. Yet many of the progressives I've met over the years, not all, but some have been not very nice or kind people. So I'm capable of holding both. Uh, I can believe sometimes that somebody's views or art or politics is wonderful, yet I can also accept that I don't want to uh, particularly, I'd rather sit next to a pit bull than hang out with them. But at the same time, I can also accept that some people have absolutely ridiculous political or cultural views. And yet at the same time, I can find common ground to talk to them about um, things that we share. So thanks for listening. I hope that that was in some way a talk that was worth your attention. And what we're going to do is we're going to now meditate. And in the meditation, there's going to be space at the end for practicing a little dialectical uh, thought, a little of this uh, uh, cognitive integration. And so... uh, Yeah, so find a really comfortable seated position. And uh, please take your eyes away from the screen. I'm going to move mine. uh, I'm going to actually move my screen away. And uh, yeah. So. Find the most comfortable position you can. If you'd like to practice reclining, lying on the floor, any position that feels comfortable, sustainable, one where you'll be able to settle, If you do at any point have to move or reposition yourself, that's fine. Just try to do it in a way that where you strategize a little first so that uh, you can find the most uh, adequate way so we're not just constantly shifting. Of course, you're at home, so you can shift as much as you like. It's more important that we refrain from overly shifting when we're practicing together in the same space. And so we can start by first closing our eyes if you feel comfortable with that and just using the sounds that surround you to ground your attention in the present moment and just set an intention, knowing it's only an intention and it's one that will fall short of realizing, to put aside any 
ruminations, frustrations about past events, putting aside any worries or plans about what to do once this class ends or we uh, move on to something else. So just put aside all thoughts about the past or the future, as well as any thought about events that are happening elsewhere. And just bring your attention to what's going on right here and right now in your direct environment. Giving yourself permission to take a, a break, permission to just rest your mind. It might sound hard to believe, but even though the brain is only three pounds and only a fraction of our the overall weight of the body, it uses up often 20 to 25% of our caloric intake burns up so much. It requires so much processing when we're lost in thought. So just allowing, just like all of our muscles need rest, just like everything needs rest, just allowing your minds to come to a complete stop. Try to land in this moment and first, this moment being all the sounds around you. And then you can add in any sensations of your body that are most prevalent or demand the most attention. For some of us, it can be just the breath, breathing itself, or for some, it might be a slight pain or tension in the body. If that's the case, feeling courage to address it if you can or simply acknowledge the pain or discomfort you can whisper to it I care about you I care about my pain my suffering and just send it a sense of kindness rather than frustration. So often we greet discomfort with frustration.
And then add into the awareness any sensations that are both subtle but soothing. Find some area of your body that feels relaxed, peaceful. Try to hold all of these awareness or foundations for awareness in the mind, the sounds around you, the sensations of discomfort, and the sensations of ease and comfort. Try to keep your mind from narrowing in on any element over the other. The mind has a tendency towards negativity bias, so it's so easily when there's it's so easy when there's any muscle tension, pain, discomfort, for the mind to simply focus entirely on the discomfort, not noticing all the areas of the body that feel easeful. Likewise in life, when someone disappoints us, or when there's a frustrating outcome, a setback, 
so easy for the mind to focus on that one setback at the expense of seeing all the abundance or friendships and and uh, skills and capabilities and resources that we've amassed skillfully so we don't deny the challenges or the pain but we don't fixate on it exclusively we hold both the what's going poorly and what's going well in mind at the same time, keeping the mind open and spacious, allowing all to be true. And challenge yourself to continue to find both pleasant and unpleasant sensations and hold them both in awareness, or perhaps a sensation from one part of your body, as well as a sensation from a rather distant part. So maybe holding in your mind awareness of the sensations of your feet, your toes, as well as the sensations of your abdomen and your belly. Is your belly relaxed or tight? We're practicing with a Buddha called the Tamiyata, keeping the mind spacious, open, capable of holding contradictions, conflicts, as truths seeking acceptance.
So at this point, if you'd like, while keeping your belly relaxed and your shoulders released, it's very important to practice with some degree of physical uh, keeping the body in a parasympathetic state. It's very important for dialectical thinking. So just relax your body. Make sure your shoulders dropped away from your ears. Your breath, especially the exhalation, is very long. And just think of some area in your life where you feel stuck, trapped between two uh, conflicting or contradictory needs or contradictory realizations, maybe about work, or creative endeavors, or specific people, or other situations. And see what truths you can accept This is true, and that is true. And then you might elaborate, what does the first truth need to feel safe or to feel acknowledged? And then what does the contradictory or conflicting view need to be acknowledged? And just hold these truths or needs as they might be in mind without needing to have one be more right than the other. There's no buts, just ends. And then lastly, maybe the reflection, how would someone completely new to this dilemma 
or someone who didn't feel any fear, how might they approach it? What would be a completely novel solution that previously maybe hasn't crossed my mind? So thank you for your practice. And of course, you can continue this reflection at any point. And uh, just if you feel so inclined, return to the uh, world around you through opening your eyes. And... Thanking you for your practice.